been thinking about, you know, or, or noticing in life. We've, we've got amazing uh, teachers and ministers and, and, and people that just speak revelation we've, that are at your fingertips, literally at your fingertips, whether it be uh, somebody's online uh, ministry or uh, books or various things. And we have revelations and truths and understanding that are just poured out, poured out and just available for us. And, and you would think one of the things that, that I prefer in, in my work process is to work smarter, not harder. But sometimes I feel like we're on the other side of that. We're working harder instead of smarter. And when you work harder instead of smarter, it, it wears you out. It causes a lot of headaches, and you do a lot of things over and over and over and over again because you're just not using your head. And so, you know, we've talked about in the past, we've talked about truth. We've talked about, uh, you know, needing to get... get uh, uh, one of my favorite scriptures is in Matthew chapter 6, verse 22, and I've said it to you guys many, many times, but still continues to be one of my favorites, where it says that the eye is the lamp of the body, and if the eye is good or if it's clear, then your whole body is filled with light. But if the eye is bad, then the light that is in you is darkness. No? And that, that, that verse always kind of jumped out at me because how could light be darkness? until I realized what, what, what God was saying there was he's talking about your perception or your understanding of life or the things that you're doing or the, th the, the situations that you're going through. And so we talk about the eye being good. And, and so in the eye being good, we want to have uh, truth and, and understanding about things that come into our our, our spirit and our soul and our mind in a way that, that we begin to lead and direct our lives by that, and that it begins to produce life. But what I find and what I've experienced personally, what I've seen in a lot of people's lives, is where we can, we can read a revelatory message out of the Scripture or something that just changes our lives and walk out the next day and do just the opposite. Have you ever found that to be? You get that revelation, and it's like, you know, we talk about this where, where God changes us from glory to glory. As we, as we behold his image, that we're being changed into that self-same image, being from glory to glory, and we talk about freedom, and we talk about how, how you know, we, we experience this, and man, you get that understanding, and it just feels like shackles just come off, and all of a sudden, life is good for a moment, and it feels like that moment is all too short-lived. And so, we also know of a you know a common scripture in Romans chapter twelve two says, "Be not conformed to this world; be transformed by the renewing of your mind." So we we understand that a lot of it. Joyce Myers wrote a book a long time ago called the, "That the the mind is the is the battlefield." It's the area that we battle with the most. But, you know, in trying to establish, you know, the victory in our mind, if the mind's the battlefield and we're trying to get that, 
just consistent, victorious. We've sung the songs. No what you know, all the weapons formed against us won't prosper. We we talk about he's our victory and all this, but we find ourselves often dealing with the battle over and over again, even though we know the truth, right? Okay, let me pick on common life things that we often know. Now, how many of you know that debt is bad, right? Debt, everybody say it with me, debt is bad. Bad. I'm going to pick on that one because we can all relate to that one pretty well and it doesn't get too personal. I hope it don't anyways. Uh, So debt is bad. We know debt is bad. All right. But we have the brains. We have the knowledge. We have the understanding of how to avoid debt. But, oh, we're so terrible at it sometimes. Right? Right? It's kind of like that that one a movie I watched one time. This guy's standing there, and he's eating some, you know, fried chicken and this or that. And he's, the next day, he's going in for, a, uh, you know, like a triple bypass surgery. You know, and he's eating all this fried food. Oh, I'm going to get it cleaned out anyways. You know, just, you know, go ahead and. Go ahead and do some more damage to it while you're at it. Somehow, in our mindset, we know what to do, but we don't do it. Now, Paul talked about this in Romans chapter 7. And it's the, it's the other little tongue twister passage where he says, The good that I would do, I do not, but the evil that I would not do, that I do. So I, with the mind, know to serve the law of Christ, the law of the Spirit, but with the flesh, everybody say flesh, I serve the law of sin and death. So we see that there's this war going on in our mind. There's the ability to know what to do and the inability to do what, what is right. That fights with us. That's what Paul said in, in Romans chapter 7. He said, I find this law that when I would to do good, evil is always present with, with me. Excuse me. <clears throat> Evil is present with me. So we all fight this same battle. But we're not supposed to stay in that battle. We're supposed to learn how to become victorious in that battle because Paul went on to say at the last of seven, uh, uh, Romans chapter 7, who shall deliver me from this bondage of death? He said, thanks, thanks be unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. We're delivered from this bondage of death. So so the law of the Spirit, through what Christ did on the cross, we're now able to serve the law of the Spirit and put to death the deeds of the body and live victoriously. That's what he says, right? So uh, let's look at Romans chapter 8 a little bit here. And then we're going to end up in Ephesians chapter 4 if you want to put a, a bookmark there as well. So... If we're going to win this battle of knowing truth, knowing what we can do, and it can work in all facets of life, but it has to work spiritually for you for it to be, to be productive, for it to be something that's fulfilling not only for you, but for the kingdom of God. It has to work spiritually in order to be, be something worthwhile. 
So if you're going to do it, you might as well do it. If you're going to be, if you're going to read your Bible, you might as well read it intently. That's kind of how we started off the, the, this message. If you're going, if you're going to pray, you might as well pray on purpose. Uh, you know, <laughs> so, Lord, help me get out of this mess. But just be intent on what you're doing. When you're reading the Bible and you see a passage of Scripture and you see this, and I like what one guy said, you know, it's easy to get into the Word of God and read all the Scriptures that just kind of massage your shoulders and make you feel good, you know, oh God, your grace is so good, your love is so good, you know. Yeah. But the ones that tell you that you're not exactly doing the right thing, those are the ones that we kind of want to read through quickly and get on to the good stuff. But you know, you need, you need to eat your vegetables, okay? You need to eat the good stuff. You need to, we need to hear these things because when we hear them, they, they are an opportunity for us to say, God, forgive me for that, forgive me for doing that, or forgive me for uh, allowing that to happen, or whatever it might be, or, or just to allow the Holy Spirit to penetrate and to change your heart. So in Romans chapter 8, it says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus sets you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. He dealt with sin. He did away with sin. How does the Son of God condemn sin except that he makes it null and effective in the, in the life of, of a believer? Sin, you will have no uh, authority. You will have no dominion over my children. That's the way I see God doing that. Uh, so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. He condemned sin in his flesh so that the requirement of the law would be fulfilled in us our flesh, so that we could live victorious. So he did all the work so that we could experience all the victory. Amen? That's what he did. He did all the labor. He triumphed over it. There was nothing that could defeat him. Ladies and gentlemen, you know, for sin to defeat you, it has to first defeat him. And he's already defeated it. So if he's already defeated it, then sin cannot defeat you. Understand? So, so you are in a position already of victory. Everybody say this, I'm victorious in Christ Jesus. I believe it. I receive it. Now I'm going to act like it. All right. So, so... He has defeated sin so that, the righteous so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the Spirit is life and peace because the mindset on the flesh is hostile toward God for it does not subject itself to to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so, and those who are the flesh cannot please God. So when we are stuck, and I like Joseph Prince talked about uh, a sin consciousness, he's, he's 
years ago, we talked a lot in messages about not being sin conscious, but being God conscious. We walk around so, so often aware of our failures, aware, aware of our shortcomings, that that's what we believe is the truth about us. And you're going to see in a little bit, but that's not, that that's not the truth about you, okay? Because the, the sin was condemned in his flesh so that it, the righteousness would be fulfilled in your flesh so that you could walk in the victory that he purchased. So, uh, as, but what Romans 8 is talking about here, he says this, he says the mind set on the spirit is life. Mind set, mind set. Let's just join those two words and let's talk about a mindset. See, we talk about getting into the mind and a lot of times we talk about getting in the mind, we just say, you just need more truth. Well, it's not just quite that simple. You can flip over to Ephesians chapter four if you want. It's not just quite that simple just to get truth because there's a lot of people out there that are grabbing knowledge and information and some of that knowledge and information is truth and some of it's not. Some of it's a mixture of lies and deceptions and other ideas. I like what uh, um, uh, Bill Johnson was talking about the parable of the soil and when he was talking about the, the, good, the, the thorny soil, he said the problem with the thorny soil was its willingness to receive other seed. It, it was receiving things, the seed of thorns and thistles and briars, instead of just the truth of God's word. It was receiving other seed. And so it's important for us to understand that we live in a world that is filled with information overload. You can get information 24 hours a day, whatever you want to be, whatever you want to be a news junkie, you can be a news junkie. You want to, whatever information you got. That, in fact, they'll just send notifications to you on your phone every time some news article comes up about something that you're interested in. It is information overload. And it's so much so that we're almost numbing our minds to the information that's coming out. It's just almost too much. It's almost so much that it's like, oh, okay, another guy got killed. Okay. There's another tragedy. Okay, there's a, a, a soccer group stuck in caves in Thailand, you know, and it just becomes more and more and more, and and it's almost information overload, and we be, begin to be flooded. I don't know about you, but I'm my wife calls me. I'm this. I'm an around the clock thinker. If you hit me with a bunch of information at once, don't expect an immediate response because it's going to go. It's got to go through the, the wheels and the cogs and, you know, through the grinder in there until I can figure out what to do with this information. So uh, some people call that uh, frustrating. <laughs> my wife called it frustrating until she figured out that's the way I work. So I used to tell my kids when they'd ask me to go somewhere, they'd ask me, you ever get that last minute? Hey, can I go? Can I go? Can I go? I said, listen, you know, if you're going to ask me the last minute, Here's the automatic answer is no, okay? If you can't ask me ahead of time, because I need to think this through. You know what? I'm never going to make a mistake bringing you home with me, but I may make a mistake letting you go home or go somewhere else. You see what I'm saying? So I need to think things through. Uh, so when the mindset, here's where I see that we, we have some challenges because a mindset, the definition of a mindset is a fixed mental attitude or disposition 
that, listen to this, that predetermines a person's responses to and interpretations of situations. That's a mindset. It's not just knowing truth. It's a set of attitudes. It's a set of how you've taken the, the truth that you hear, the experiences that you've gone through, you know, the battles that you fought, and you've brought all those things together. And inside of you, there's developed an attitude. Everybody, say, everybody look at your neighbor and say, you got an attitude. And the fact is, we all have an attitude of some sort. But that mindset, you know, is a, is a set of attitudes, of, of beliefs that, that predetermine um, your response to or your interpretation of a situation. Have you ever said something to somebody and they took it totally wrong? You were not dealing with a bad person, per se. You were dealing with a mindset in that person that already existed that you were not aware of was there. And what you said, push, we call it pushing their buttons. You know, put, Now, some of you know those buttons and you push them on purpose and you shouldn't. But... Uh, uh, but, it, you know, we, we push that button and we get that immediate response because of the mindset to that. I remember one time in high school, there was a, uh, there was a person who, who lied to me and uh, deceived me, and, and it really offended me deeply, you know, at that time. So consequently, out of that came a, a very short tolerance for being lied to, okay? Has anybody ever been lied to? Will you be lied to today? There's a good chance if you turn on the news, you'll be lied to today. So anyhow, you know, but you understand what I'm saying. You know, for me, you know, we can be passionate about the truth, but to have a short tolerance is something, is something different. All right, look, we'll go on. So these mindsets and what Romans chapter 8 was talking about, a mindset on the spirit. It's, you know, it's, it's developing a set of beliefs and attitudes by the spirit that will help predetermine in our lives our response to and our interpretation of situations. Now, here's what's important in a mindset. What's important in a mindset is that we have to understand God's mindset towards us and towards the people that, we, that we're in contact with. Because if you don't understand that mindset, you've got your own mindset, and then you fall into that, uh-oh, there's a way that seems right to man, but the end thereof is death, Proverbs. And so, you know, or just, the, you know, there's an earthly, there's a sensual, there's a worldly type uh, belief system out there. And I'm here to tell you guys, there is not multiple truths. They really... Maybe this goes back to my high school days, but that you know, when I hear people say, "Well, everybody's just living their truth," there is no their truth. There's only the truth. There's only the truth. There's not multiple truths out there. There's only one truth, and that's it. Okay, so so uh, this mindset that we that we deal with uh, oftentimes is is 
corrupted by our experiences or our beliefs or our attitudes, you know. And it's affected by things that go on every day, which we'll get into here, here in just a little bit. But it's important for us to, to understand that, that the mindset that we're dealing with, we have to start with our understanding of who God is. And I want you to tell you this, and you guys know this, but do you have a mindset of this? Do you have a general set of beliefs and attitudes that will always cause you to, re- to respond to or interpret God in this way? That God is good. Okay? He's good. He's a good father. He's better than any father that you, you, you any, take the best father that you can imagine known to mankind. And in the scripture, God compares himself to the best father known to mankind and says that you being evil fathers know how to give good things to your children. How much more will your heavenly father give good things to those who love him? Okay? So, so God is good beyond good. Do you understand? He's beyond your imagination of good. He's beyond your comprehension of good. Because he said, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has entered into the heart of man what God has in store for those who are called by him. So he is beyond good. But here's the other part that you have to understand about God in order to get this right. God's purpose is always redemptive. Always redemptive. Everybody say that, redemptive. Are you with me? God's purpose is always redemptive. His words are always have the purpose of being redemptive. If he does anything in your life, if he, does, if he says anything, speaks anything to you, <coughs> or you read anything in this word, its sole purpose is to be redemptive in our lives. That's it. It's not to be critical. He's not trying to put you down. He's trying to rescue you up. He's trying, to, he's trying to deliver us from the snares of a mindset that is not fully grasping the freedoms and the truths that he's given us. He's trying to bring us more into that all the time. You have to grab a hold of the redemptiveness of God, uh, that attitude in him, or else when you read this, you will walk underneath what Romans 8, 1 said no longer exists to those who are in Christ Jesus. You will walk underneath the condemnation of your failures and your shortcomings, okay? So we need to understand that God is already, he is always redemptive and he has already paid the price. And we're going to read quite a bit of Ephesians chapter four here. Uh, (coughs) Excuse me. So therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But each one of us, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift, Therefore, it says, and it goes on to say, he who, 
talks about him ascending and descending. I'm going to do this for time's sake. That he could feel all in all. That he not only was he from heaven, he came to earth. He descended into the pits of hell so he could have dominion. There's not any place in creation that God himself does not have dominion. Okay? There's not any place where he is not the absolute supreme ruler of it all. Proof in point, who's the prince of the power of the air? The devil, right? Who, who, who has given, has been given kind of a short reign to, to create havoc in the earth? The devil, right? So we are put here in the earth, and we're underneath the Adamic uh, nature somewhat, and we deal with that on a daily basis, and we're in this oppressive world that's that, but all you and I have to do is call on the name of Jesus, and we go immediately from being underneath his, the, the dominion of the devil to immediately being seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, far above all principality and powers and rulers of the darkness of this air, right? So, so there is no place that he does not have complete dominion, and he has not conquered it all. That's good news, because he paid the price for sin, condemning it in the flesh, so that in us his righteousness could be fulfilled, so that we could walk around as sons and daughters of the Most High God. Not as those that are beaten. You know, we get tired of either being the ones or seeing, you know, people backed off in the corner and the devil's just over there just just pounding on them, just wailing on them, you know, and just knocking their teeth in, you know, and we drag them out of the corner and we stand them up, hey, you're a child of God, you know, that's not, you know, that's not who you are, that's not your identity, you, you know, you don't belong to the devil, you don't belong to sin, you don't belong to, this is who you are, you know, and, and they, they get it for a short bit and then just a little bit, you know, another week down the road, they're back off in the corner and bam, bam, you seen people like that? You ever been there? You ever been in his punching bag for a bit? I have. I don't like it. You know, I don't. So I'd rather not be there. So God is redemptive. He's paid the price. He's conquered everything for us. He's all dominions he's conquered and has dominion over. Uh, and he's made it possible for us to walk in this victory. Now, let me see. If I can catch up where I'm, where I'm at. All right. He ascended. He gave some apostles, some, also, some as prophets, verse 11. Some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the service, to the building up of the body of Christ until we had all attained to the unity of the faith of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Now, I'm going to tell you, it's not just about truth. I love truth. I love talking about truth. I love teaching about truth. Because to me, truth is absolute. It's right. It's spot on. It never wavers. Truth never wavers. It is always on. I like truth. 
But this is not just about truth. It's more than that. Uh, so we'll read on, verse 17. So this I say to affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart, and they having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, that in, in, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which is the likeness of God, has which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. We're going to stop right there. Twice we've already read where it says, speak the truth in love. Then he says, in that as truth, just as truth is in Jesus. Okay. So there's some people that will say things that will say, well, I'm just being honest. Well, you may be being honest, but you're not being truthful. Okay, there's a difference. Sometimes your honesty is your attitude, and it's not the truth. So being truthful means that we speak the truth in love, that in Jesus is the truth. And if what we're saying is not lining up with Jesus, it may be being honest to what you're feeling and to what you're going through at that moment, but it is not the truth because it's not in Jesus. You understand what I'm saying? So when you are lashing out at somebody, which none of you ever do, when you are lashing out at somebody, <clears throat> you need to cut the legs under, out from underneath the thought that, well, I am just being honest. Because somewhere in your belief system and your attitude, you've developed a mindset, or I've developed a mindset, where that type of honesty is okay, and it's not necessarily, because it's not what's in Christ Jesus. Does that make sense? All right, because the truth is in Jesus. But what, what Ephesians 4 here is talking to us about is, is talking about not just the truth, but walking out the truth. You know, it, it's walking in the truth. We don't just have truth, but we have to walk in the truth. And in walking in the truth, we understand that all truth is in Jesus and that he's given us truth through his word. So therefore, we have to walk out <coughs> this word. So there's a lot of things in here that we see in our present culture that people tend to be abandoning some of the principles and the truths of God's word, which God has given for the purpose of bringing redemption into our lives. Okay? So when he talks... When he talks about uh, you know speaking the truth in love, so you're, the reason that you need to speak the truth in love, is so therefore the truth that you speak now has the same purpose that God has, which means that that truth has a redemptive purpose. When you speak the truth in love, you are speaking the truth for the purpose of redemption, redeeming somebody. Redeeming somebody is, is, is redemption is, is rescuing somebody or something from 
uh, wrong or evil, okay? So we speak the truth in love. He talks about that he give to the church uh, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers for the building up. So he's given the church, he's given gifts within the church, people that, that have anointings and, 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 and gifts that God's put in them in order to build up the body of Christ, to, to train and build us up to where, till he sees the full stature, the maturity of who Jesus is. And that is also for redemptive purposes. He wants to see us succeed and grow. There's no stalemate in this life. It's either you succeed with Christ or you fail with the devil. There's no in-between. There's no, there's no neutral ground. Neutral ground belongs to the devil. God has never called a truce with the devil, not one day, not one moment. He has never called a truce with him. He's never said, all right, you can have this ground and I won't bother you. No, not going to happen. He says, I've got it all and I've got a plan and I've got a way and it's going to come right back in. I'm going to rescue Adam from his sin. I'm going to pull man out of his sin. I'm, I'm, not only am I going to pull him out of it, I'm going to put him on top of you because I said that his heel is going to bruise your head. He's going to put you under, under your, his feet. So, so it tells us here it's important for us in this to, to grab a hold of, of, the, of the truths here and the mistakes you know, that, that some of these people have made here in, in, in verse, verse 17 there uh, in that passage, the futility of their mind. Thank you, Kendall. That in the futility of their mind, and that's a mind being darkened in their understanding, excluded, excluded. Uh, Excluded from the life of God because of ignorance that is in them. So, anytime you see the, the I remember when I when I used to uh, have to travel about 45, 50 minutes to work, and I loved it because the the radio station had a lot of speakers on there. You know, it had people, preachers and ministers. And I mean, you could just sit there and just just gobble it up every day. You know, you know, up and back. You just listen to people preach and all this stuff and and because, uh, uh, you know, I've told you this before, you know, I did that. I got saved when I was 20, and I thought every born-again Christian listened to country music, so I flipped over country music, and then suddenly I wanted to play it all backwards, you know. But, uh, uh, but I found a gospel channel, and, and that's where I kind of cut my teeth on a lot of stuff, and, and I enjoyed the, the, feed, the feeding and the nurturing of that. But what I found in some people is that... that they didn't like that. You know, people I went to church with, that they didn't like the listen to speaking all the time. And you know what else I found? I found that I could grow to be like them. I could grow to the place where, where I didn't really care to listen to the speaking all the time. Now, I'm not saying that you should listen to preaching all the time. But I'm telling you 
that if you recognize something inside of you that says, you know what, I just don't want to hear that right now. Uh, you know what, I, I'd take that attitude out, slap it a few times, and say, uh-uh, you're not going to live in me. Because that, that is an attitude, as Romans tells us, tell, told us, that it's hostile towards God, doesn't want any of the things of God, and cannot be, can't grab hold of the things of God, doesn't want it. It's hostile towards God. And whenever we repel either worship or the word in any given form, I don't care if it's the person that you can't stand to listen to the most. If it's the word, make yourself develop a right attitude towards more important than the delivery man. The word is more valuable than my attitude at the moment. Shape yourself up. Train your mindset. Pull your mindset into place because it's not just about truth. It's about walking the truth out and allowing the Spirit of the Lord to control your mindset so that you are walking according to the Spirit. So it's important for us where it says, that says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Romans chapter 12, 2 says, be not conformed to this world, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may be able to prove what the will of God is. So, but what we forget is that first verse where it says, uh, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, for this is your reasonable service or act of worship, you could say it that way. So in order, what we have there is an understanding is that our bodies, this flesh that we live in, has a propensity to gravitate to the things of this world. It has a propensity to draw, draw you away from the, the truths that God has established for you to live by. It could be in various ways. It could be an outright obvious sin, or it could be in just the demeaning of who you are trying to pull you out of that place where he said that the righteousness of God would be fulfilled in you. When he pulls you out of that place so that now you're trying to fulfill the righteousness of God in yourself instead of him fulfilling it for you, then you're in the wrong place. So, so it's important for us that, to know that this flesh gravitates. It's like a ma magnetic pole. I would love to be the person that gets up in the morning and just floats into the kingdom of God. God, you love me. God, you, you just love being here. Just love your word. I just love the music, Lord. I just love it. But, you know, sometimes I have to deal with grumpy. Sometimes I have to deal with carnal. Sometimes I have to deal with the flesh. So I have to offer my body as a living sacrifice unto him. So that in offering my body, bringing myself into that place of, Lord, I am giving this to you so that I can get renewed in the spirit of my mind because now I'm submitting to you because if I don't deal with grumpy, grumpy doesn't want to submit to the word of God. Grumpy has an attitude towards the word of God. Grumpy has a mindset that has already predetermined his response or his interpretation of what God's about to say. So when we hear God, it's either this, ah, 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 or this, yeah, yeah, you know, or, oh, I know just the person that's for, <laughs> you know, that's what we hear sometimes. 
But we need to come humbly before God and say, God, I know I've slept overnight, and I know that there's stuff that needs to be, you know, rewound and undone. I need your mind, not my mind. I need your ways, not my ways. I need to walk fully in your will, not my will. God, I surrender and submit myself to you so that, so that uh, our mind can just be renewed. And we, we be renewed by that humble submission before God, that, that in humility, like uh, uh, I think it was David that said, you know, search my heart, O God, examine me, search me deep. See if there be any wicked way in me. Why? why? Why does God want to look for those things in you? For the purpose of what? Redemption. That's his attitude about everything. He's not looking for the bad in you so that he can put a, you know, stupid something on you. But he is looking for that to redeem you out of that. That's his plan, his purpose. Search me, O oh God. See if there be any wicked way in me. Help me to walk in the truth, Lord. Help me to know the truth. Renew the spirit of my mind so that we can walk in the holiness of, of the truth. The truth. Okay. Now, I'm going to wrap it up with this. We have to walk the truth. We have to speak the truth. He talked about it's important for us to speak the truth. Speak it out. When you speak the truth out, it's a creative word. And as you speak the truth out, that creative word, and I'm not talking about your truth, I'm talking about the truth, I'm talking about God's truth. When you speak the truth out, that truth is creative and it's powerful and it will create the very thing it is. So if he says that you're more than a conqueror and you speak that out, that's a creative word that's going forth that will begin the process of making you more than a conqueror. If he says you're an overcomer, if he says you're victorious, if he says you're healed, if he says you're delivered, if he says you're set free, if he says there's now no, therefore no more condemnation, if he says that, that you're anointed, if he says that you're gifted, if he says that you're empowered, you speak those truths out because they're creative words that will begin the process of creating the very thing that it's saying. But here's, some, here's a list I want you to notice. I want you to pick up on two personalities within this list. As he's talking about how we should walk, I'll try to make this short. Verse 25, therefore laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Not only is it important for us to speak truth out, but it's important for us to speak truth to each other. Important for us to do that. Because faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. If I speak truth to you, then faith begins to pull up. I'm either going to run. I'm either going to connect with your faith, or I'm going to come face to face with your attitude. Seriously, if I'm telling you the truth, you have you are either going to be in a place where your mindset is set that you're not going to listen or hear it, or I'm going to ignite that word's going to ignite faith inside your heart, and it's going to produce what God intends for it to produce. Okay. So, it's important that we speak truth one to another. We're a body. You're not an island to yourself. You're not going to face the world and grow into the man of God you want to be by yourself. We need each other. Okay. Number two, he says, be angry and do not sin. 
Do not let the sun go down on your, your wrath. Any of you ever been annoyed? Anybody annoyed on a daily basis? Did you know that annoyed is being angry? Being annoyed is, or being frustrated is when, when it's an emotion that comes when we're not able to, to accomplish or achieve or change something that we want to affect. When things don't go your way or they don't happen the way you want them or you're trying to get somebody to do this, there's that annoying, there's that anger that comes up. What you need to understand, and I've heard it said, you've heard it said too, that the only way to be angry and not sin is to be angry at sin. Well, I think that's too surface level. What you have to understand is that anger in itself is designed to manipulate your mindsets. It's designed to warp them change them. And so it's important that you and I understand that in being angry or being annoyed, we're going to be annoyed. You're probably annoyed that I'm going too long right now. I hope you're not. But we get annoyed. It's part of life. It's things you're going to experience. If you've got kids, you've been annoyed. If you're married, you've been annoyed. Or you're the annoyer, one of the two. You guys can decide that amongst yourselves. I'm not getting in the middle of that battle. But anger is designed to change your mindset. It's des- it has a, 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 a way of affecting the way you think. You can be sitting there with all this truth about who you are, who God is, God, what God's able to do, what God can do through you, what you can do through God. You can have all that at your feet. And anger can change your mindset and suck you right out of it and pull you away from it. So be angry, but don't sin. Now listen to this. In not sinning, you have to be able to process those things that annoy you or make you very passionately angry. You have to be able to process those things in the right way. But there is somebody that is there to work against you. That's what the next verse says. says, neither give place for the devil. Not only is he there not to to work against you in this particular point, throughout this list, he's there to contribute to that and to help you draw your mindset away from the mind that's set on the Spirit. Because you and I both know that when we have our mind set on the Spirit, man, (laughs) things happen. They're good stuff comes at you and it's just like it falls off like Teflon. It's amazing. We love it. But the enemy is there to try to find an opportunity to build a different mindset in your life. He'll, he'll do it through anger and a few other of these things. It says, he who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor performing with his hands what is good so he will have something to share with one who has need. Believe it or not, a good work ethic changes you internally. People that are always looking for a handout, looking for a freebie, always expecting things to be given to them, being entitled, there's an internal change in their mindset. It becomes a part of their their set of attitudes and beliefs about a thing. And so they interpret things through that, and it changes, and it's wrong. God wants us to have a good work ethic, 
whether it be in our job or whether it be in our responsibilities and things like that. He wants us to have a work ethic that we're not a beggar, but we're, we're a provider. He wants us to not be a borrower, but he wants us to be a lender. He wants us to be someone who contributes to society that we're not always looking for, for someone to contribute to us. An entitlement mentality, and I'm not talking about any of you, but an entitlement mentality will come into a church, sit in a pew, and expect somebody to put everything in their mouth instead of someone who's willing to work, that has a different mindset, that has a better work ethic, says, you know what, I'm here for the long haul. I'm here for the work and the labor, be it good, be it hard, be it difficult, be it easy. I'm alongside of you. I'm going to shoulder up beside you. I'm a part of this body. I'm not just someone that shows up for dinner. I am someone who's here to labor and work alongside my brothers. I am going to work, and it's a work ethic that builds a mindset. It changes a mindset. Instead of you being someone that always has to receive, now you're someone who's ready to give. Next part says this. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only, only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that we'll give grace to those who hear. Have we said it's important to speak the truth? Have we said it's important to speak the truth in love? Do you think he's trying to say something in this chapter if he's mentioned it a few times? I think he's trying to say something. I want you to notice the second personality in this passage, though. And all these things that work against you, there's someone involved in this that's working with you. And it says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Remember, his purpose is redemption. And we make that grieving the Holy Spirit something so superficial that we make the Holy Spirit out, and you've heard pastors say it, as somebody who can't take anything. That's not the point here. The point here is that he is trying to redeem us. But we make it awfully hard for him to do that at times. Isn't it something when you're, when you're, as a parent, you're trying to teach your child something and trying to show them something and you're trying to explain something to them and they're just not getting it? It's a little annoying, a little frustrating. Sometimes it just kind of gets you down your gut because you know that they're, if they could just get a hold of the truth, that things would be different in their life. So when we talk about grieving the Holy Spirit, we're talking about every time he's trying to redeem us from something, we just keep walking back into this mindset that just keeps pulling us right back out because we've got a set of attitudes and beliefs that are wrong. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Here's what I'd say to that. Two things left here. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you with all malice. Master your emotions. All this stuff, all those things listed there come out of your emotions. And, and if you let those emotions reign, they will master you. You need to master your emotions. You need to bring those into a place where they are in line with Christ. Master your emotions. I'll add this to it. Don't hurt people. Don't hurt people. Out of bitterness and all this stuff, sometimes we say things that comes out very malicious and it's designed to hurt people. 
Master your emotions, don't hurt people. Last of all, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. You need to understand that you have been forgiven a great debt. I don't care if you got born again when you were three and you didn't have the opportunity to do all the bad stuff. You need to understand that you need to think, you need to process in that you're just as lost without him as the person who came out of the deepest, darkest sin and gave their life to Christ. You're just as lost without him. You're just as doomed, you're just as hopeless, you're just as desperate without him as anybody else. So never in our minds should we allow ourselves to think that our sins are not as great as anybody else's sins. Because as soon as we start doing that, then we start saying, well, I would never do that to you. You should never do that to me. And as soon as we start saying, I would never do that to you, you should never do that to me, then what we're saying is that I may not forgive you of that because I would never do that to you. We are all desperately in need of Jesus and of a Savior. And we can't do it without Him. We have been forgiven a great debt. Pay it forward. You've been forgiven a great debt. Pay it forward. Your sin has been as big as, the, as anything. You're guilty of breaking all the law, the Scripture says. You've been forgiven. Pay it forward. Stand with me if you will. We're going to worship the Lord. Now's the time to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. I, see, God, I don't just I don't just want truth. I want the right attitude. I want the right belief. I want the right understanding. So the Lord, when situations come my way, that my response is your response. That my interpretation of those events is your interpretation of those events. So the Lord, when we walk through this life, we aren't found walking in the bad mindset, but we're found walking in your truth. Lord, I just pray as we worship tonight, today, I ask you, Lord God, to search our hearts all during this worship time. See if there be any wicked way. Lord, I know, I know you've put your finger on a few things. And Lord, that's good to start that today. Tomorrow we'll ask you again. Lord, search us. Seek it. See if there be anything evil in us, Lord. And Lord, today we say we surrender it to you. Lord, we'll, take, we'll walk in your truth. We'll walk in your ways. Thank you, Lord. Bye.